Good morning, everybody. What's going on? Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning, wherever you are from. Tuning in at... Uh, I... I, I debated whether I was going to do a broadcast today. And then I heard the president's uh, remarks this morning from the White House on Iran. And I was like, there's no way I cannot do a broadcast on this. It, it's not just that the president had some very interesting statements this morning from the White House as he's meeting with uh, Mr. Trudeau. But I had a very interesting dream last night that I think provides some, some data points that are good to consider with respect to Iran and what is going on. So, people have been asking, if you want to be part of the, uh, the digital army, what kind of tools do you need? Well, having a little lapel mic, these are inexpensive, uh, is not a bad idea. All right, so I'm gonna play this clip for you, just listen to it. And there's a bunch of data points in this very short video that we're going to talk about, a lot of them. And I'm going to cover them one by one and some other things that Q has talked about. I'll talk a lot about Q, actually. Q has had a lot to say about this operation. And if you take in that data along with the new data that we're getting, it paints a picture, a pretty clear picture, I think. All right. So a reporter asked the president about his comments last night that he made on the Hannity show about Iran is a different country now than the country they were when he took office. So that is where we're going to start. I'm going to let you listen to this real quick. Iran is a different country. Do you still hold that opinion? Oh, absolutely. When I came here, Iran was in 14 to 18 different sites of confliction. Uh, they were extremely hostile. They were hostile when they signed the deal. They were screaming death to America. And I think probably Iran made a mistake. I would... Okay, so first thing I want to talk about. Even though it is not obvious to the casual observer that Iran has changed in any significant way since Trump took office, it looks like they're still sponsoring terrorism other than ISIS has been pretty much decimated. To the casual observer, to the person out there, the normie who's just looking at this, they don't see Iran as a different country from now from when Trump took over. Trump is saying, he is telling us, Iran is a different country, very different. They, were, they had their hands in all these areas of conflict in, in, in the Middle East, mostly. And he is telling us they are no longer involved in as many conflicts as they used to be. Things have changed. Now, the mainstream media is going to challenge him on every single point that he makes. They're going to say, where's the evidence? Where's the proof? They're still doing this. They're still doing that. They shoot, shot down our drone. Why do you say such things, right? Because whatever Trump says, that he's going to be challenged if he doesn't produce the evidence. So, and then he said, I think... Someone made a mistake concerning the drone that was shot down last night. Now, this is very interesting, so let's cover that part of it. A mistake. I would imagine it was a general or somebody that made a mistake in shooting that drone down. And fortunately, that drone was unarmed. It was not... Okay. So, <clears throat> knowing that Trump has access to uh, all the best intelligence on the planet... If Trump says, you know, I think somebody in the chain of command made a mistake. Somebody got a little itchy trigger finger, ordered a, a, a missile to be launched at that drone and took it down. Wasn't over Iranian airspace. It was over international waters. I think somebody screwed up and made a mistake. All right. Now, would Trump say that publicly if he didn't have intelligence to back him up? Guarantee you when that... <laughs> Drone got hit. Trump was in the Situation Room getting a briefing shortly thereafter. And they told him what they knew. And I'm sure they had um, 
audio, probably, recordings of conversations, maybe cables, emails, whatever, where the orders were given to launch that thing. So if Trump is going to say that he believes it's a rogue operator, all right, and we're going to talk a lot about rogue operators, if Trump is essentially saying that he believes it was a rogue operator inside the Iranian regime who did this, probably the military regime, then what he's signaling to us that he's not going to say overtly is that the majority of the Iranian leadership would not support this. It was a rogue who did it. Now, why is that important? It's very important. You're going to hear people in the mainstream media, in the new media, pushing this agenda, this narrative, really, that we're going to go to war in Iran. That it's an eventuality. Look at history. We always go to war in Iran. This is just a pretext for war. Trump doesn't have a plan other than war. So it's only a matter of time before we end up in, in a war. Right? You're going to hear that narrative. However, if we look at not just what Trump has said, but what Trump has done with respect to bad actors, I think there is a lot of evidence to suggest Trump has no plans to go to war. In fact, his plan is to broker a peace agreement. All right, we're just at a critical point where there are factions inside the Iranian regime who are having a little bit of disagreement. Now, let's talk about Q. So, back in November of 2017, when the president visited, did his first trip to Asia. He went to China, he visited Japan, he visited South Korea, he did kind of a tour. I think he went to Indonesia, a bunch of different places in, uh, in the Far East. Interesting to note that President Trump went to China and visited the Forbidden City. He was the first sitting president ever to visit the Forbidden City, right? President Xi took him to the Forbidden City, they hung out, right? Now, uh, Q was posting pictures that looked to be from Air Force One in November while President was uh, traveling to Asia. Now, this becomes relevant because <laughs> when those pictures were posted on 4chan, in November of 2017, later on, in March of 2018, when it started to sound as if Trump was going to meet with Kim of North Korea to talk maybe terms of peace and denuclearization. This was after Kim had been launching missiles, missile tests, escalating the missile testing. And Trump was on Twitter pushing back against him. And all this concern, Trump's going to get us in a war with North Korea. Right? So Trump is, as Kim, is escalating tensions. As the mainstream media are, and a lot of people in the new media were freaking out that Trump doesn't have a plan. He's going to push Kim into a war. And lo and behold, um... Trump and Kim set up a summit to talk peace in Singapore, right? Now, at that time, when early, very early on in March, Q suggested that Trump had actually met with Kim previously, face to face. Q said, have they already met? Think Forbidden City. POTUS never crossed the line. All right, so Q was suggesting that Kim secretly met with Trump and President Xi in the Forbidden City when Trump visited Asia in November of 2017. And that they had began, begun to work out the deal, the, the, some of the details of a potential peace agreement, denuclearization. And prior to that and after that, Trump was putting a lot of economic sanctions on North Korea. He was just hammering them with economic sanctions. And he's been using 
uh, tariffs and economic sanctions against China and Iran and a lot of other bad actors to get them to realize that it is in their best interest if they cooperate with Trump's agenda. Right? So when most people thought that Trump was going to get us into a war with North Korea, what he was in fact doing, if you go back and look at what Pompeo was doing, Pompeo was in South Korea, he was in North Korea, he was in China, he was in Vietnam, Japan. Pompeo was flying all over the place in November, December, January, February, all that time. Pompeo was just all the time flying around in the Far East with meetings. Pompeo was setting the groundwork for the peace uh, talks that were going to come in Singapore that happened, I think, in June of 2018. June 12th is when Kim and Trump met, if I'm not mistaken, now. So Pompeo was laying all this groundwork behind the scenes mostly. There you could, if you were paying attention to what Pompeo was doing, you would see that he was connecting with a lot of people, a lot of important players in the Far East, but you didn't know where it was going until it was announced that they were going to have the summit with Kim and Trump in Singapore. And it's true we don't have a peace agreement yet, but what Trump is doing is he is offering to Kim a, an economy and a chance to live in, in, the, in the benefits of the 21st century like South Korea. Having a, a build up an economy, have your people have some prosperity, uh, have a seat at the table with you know normal normalized diplomatic relations. All right, Trump offered that to Kim, and they've had their meetings, and I think they're going to have future meetings. Trump basically said, told us, Kim is not ready at this time to accept that offer. And so Trump is, has put his offer on the table. He has shown Kim what's possible. He has shown him what he is willing to do to help modernize North Korea. And Kim is not at the point now where he's ready to accept that offer. But what Q said didn't come out and say that, but very strongly implied that there were a lot of back-channel communications between Trump and Kim and Xi to work on this agreement to denuclearize North Korea. Back-channel communications. All right. Through the State Department, through the White House, through their communications, whatever they, avenues they use, there's been a lot of back-channel comms going on between those countries to set up these peace talks. And there is continuing back-channel communications going on. All right. Now, let's, look at, let's talk about Iran for a minute. So Q has told us that, and Q doesn't come out and say, uh, by the way, North Korea is actually being run by the CIA. Q will ask you a question. Who is in control, who controls North Korea? And then ask you another question. Who really controls North Korea? Right? So Q, in an indirect way, says, there is someone controlling North Korea that you, most people don't suspect. Right? And then when the announcement was made that Trump was going to be meeting with Kim, Q posted, strings cut, deal made, clowns out, we took control. Thank you, Kim. So Q suggested that they got rid of the rogue CIA elements that were in North Korea. They cut the strings of control. They freed up Kim to be able to negotiate with Trump. Right? That's all part of the process. The reason why Kim was building weapons of mass destruction was that that was the agenda of the deep state and the CIA. They wanted to create a couple of countries, rogue nations, that would, they would give nuclear weapons to. North Korea, one of them. Iran is the other one. Right? So Trump knew coming in he had to denuclearize North Korea and he has to denuclearize Iran. Those are his two main objectives from a, from, on the geopolitical front, those are the two biggest threats he has right now. He has managed to successfully get, recruit Kim to peace negotiations 
and cease his development of nuclear weapons, even though there have been some small missile launches. They're small missile launches, and I don't know that they're all that relevant. And speaking of missile launches, remember June 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Trump was meeting in Canada with a bunch of economic leaders on the 9th and 10th. Then he left Canada and he flew to Singapore to meet with Kim. Around that same time, there was a missile that was launched over Whidbey Island. No, it was not a missile that was launched at Air Force One. It wasn't. You cannot hit an airplane with an intercontinental ballistic missile. You don't fire ICBMs at airplanes. From, from what it looks like, look, Banger Subbase is there in the Hood Canal. Uh, I am very familiar with that area, having worked there for a long time. And it, looks, it looked as if a rogue actor had illegally launched a missile from a submarine in the Hood Canal as a potential false flag to screw up the talks that Trump was going to have with Kim. And it looks like our military people detected the missile launch, shot the missile down, and then nothing was said about it. And then the mainstream media covers it and says it was uh, glare, lens flare, reflections of a helicopter. Yeah, whatever. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, was, it was a missile being popped off from a submarine in the Hood Canal. Is, that's what that was. Anyway, <clears throat> the point being, it looks very much like there was a rogue inside the military that was able to launch that missile. Now, that's one possibility. The other possibility is that the CIA themselves, they have their own submarines with missiles. And we know they have their own drone air force. Right? So the CIA, they have their own military assets. And what Trump is doing is he is battling, has been battling, rogue elements in the CIA, State Department, Department of Defense. That's the deep state. That is the military end of the deep state. There's a political end, which is politicians, and there's a military end, which is, you know, their, their drone air force, and if they have, if, I strongly suspect the CIA has probably purchased uh, submarines and other military hardware. So Q asked a rhetorical question. Did the deep state, specifically the CAA, think with their offshore assets that they could stand against the president and the military if they were united together? Right? So the CIA and the deep state calculated that they could oppose Trump and the military with their assets and that they could possibly win. Now, why did Obama draw down funding for the military? Because Obama's, part of his agenda was to weaken the military and weaken the influence and the ability of patriots who would oppose the deep state. The plan was to weaken, weaken the military. Hillary would get in. She would continue to weaken the military. They would take out patriots in the military, like General Flynn. And they would continue removing patriots in the military, continue weakening it, and strengthen the deep state, their CIA, the assets, and the black ops. Right. So <clears throat> that was their plan, part of the 16-year plan to destroy America. Trump comes in. First thing Trump does is negotiates massive increases in military spending. Why? Because Trump is working with the military against the deep state. And the military is his main, is really the only part of government that's backing him. Every other part of government was working against Trump, except the military. First thing Trump does is negotiates a massive increase of expenditure for the military. Right? And he does that because they are his main ally. And he is in a war against the deep state and their assets. 
So you have the deep state and their assets, and you have Trump and the military, and they're working against each other. Now, Trump is, has been working on cleaning out corruption in the FBI, in the Department of Justice, State Department, right? Tillerson, one of his main, I think, uh, objectives as Secretary of State was to get rid of uh, bad actors in the State Department. Tillerson went in and, and fired a lot of people in the State Department. Sessions had to go in, fire a lot of people in DOJ and FBI. Chris Ray is continuing to fire people in the FBI. Gina Haspel, we know, has been getting rid of CIA uh, bad actors. Attorney General William Barr told us that. It is a point that no one talks about, but in his interview with this Fox reporter about a month ago, Barr said he was talking about the Spygate, and when he was asked a question, he said, oh, you know, the, those people in the CIA and the FBI and other intelligence agencies that were involved in this are no longer working there, right? So Barr was kind of telling people, yeah, a lot of these rogue actors have been fired. They're gone. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So it's understandable that people are frustrated because they want to think that Gina Haspel has completely gutted the CIA of all rogue actors. She has not been able to do that. That, that is going to take a lot of time. It takes time. I was, somebody messaged me on Twitter last night, and they work for the government, and they work, I don't want to talk about the department they work for, but they said, you've been talking a lot about how Chris Ray has successfully gotten rid of James Baker, uh, Priestep, Loffman, uh, Cortan, uh, Josh Campbell, Tash Gahar, all these people in the FBI have all been removed. She said, people don't understand how difficult it is to remove federal workers, especially at that level. They have unions, they have rules. You start creating a paper trail on them to try to get rid of them. And they're creating a paper trail on you, trying to prove that you are harassing them and targeting them. And she said, as a federal worker, I can tell you, it is almost impossible to get rid of federal workers at that level. If Chris Ray has done that much work, it, is, it speaks highly of how dedicated he is in getting rid of these people, because it's very difficult to do. Of course, if you have the goods on them, and you know that they've been involved in criminal activity, and you turn it over to the DOJ for prosecution, another story. Uh, then you pretty much have them sign an agreement saying that they're, uh, it's a plea deal and they're going to cooperate with the investigation. And some of the people who have left the FBI left as cooperating witnesses, some were just fired. If they wouldn't cooperate, they just fire them and then prosecute them later. But that's a rabbit trail. So we have to understand that the heads of the intelligence agencies are working on getting rid of bad actors, rogue agents. There are there are, when I say rogue, what I mean is people who are not following the lead of their department head. So FBI people, you know, agents and whoever in, in the FBI who are not following Chris Ray and Barr and Trump, they would be considered rogue actors. Same thing in the CIA, same thing in DOJ, same thing in State Department. There are some rogue actors who are still beholden to the deep state. And it's only a matter of time before they get discovered and they get removed. All right. So hopefully that kind of clears up a little bit about um, who is on this battlefield and what position they're playing. Now, Trump last night talked about spying. On Hannity, Trump says, you know, it would, be, it would be very interesting to find out if, they, if Obama was listening to my phone calls. I'm not saying he was, but, you know, it would be interesting to find that out. If we see if we, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? Trump, in, his, uh, in the speech in Orlando during his, when he launches re-election, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens to Hillary. You know, they got these 33,000 emails, and I, who knows, maybe the State Department has them. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. All right, so uh, 
I find these statements incredibly amusing because Trump is telling us what is coming. He is not going to come out and say, oh yeah, by the way, the State Department has those 33,000 emails that Hillary thought she got rid of, and the NSA has them too. So yeah, we have the emails, and they're looking through them, and <laughs> they're going to reopen the investigation, and Hillary's going to be prosecuted for this. Trump isn't going to come out and say that, not to the mainstream media, because they love Hillary, or they've been told they have to support Hillary, so Trump is trolling them. Oh, it would be interesting if, if the State Department has the emails, and if our great Attorney General happens to uh, reopen the investigation, we'll see what happens, All right? Trump, w Trump signals to his base what is coming. You have to read between the lines and understand what that Trump is telling you. He has information. He knows what they found. And this is coming. This is what you can expect in the future. So with Trump's statement out front Hannity last night, where he said, you know, it'd be interesting to know if Obama was listening to my phone calls. I'm not saying he was, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> no. Trump is telling you Obama was listening to his phone calls and that information is about to come out. It's going to be prosecuted. And, and a lot more. I think I remember Trump saying at one time, you know, it'd be interesting to know if they were spying on other campaigns too. Ted Cruz. Uh, Q has suggested that Ted Cruz was also spied on. And they probably had, were spying on all of the major Republican uh, nominee or candidates. Why not? Because you don't know who the nominee is going to be. Spy on all of them. Trump, when he says those things, he is signaling what is about to happen, what, we were, what is about to be disclosed, what is going to be prosecuted. So part of the, part of the job of understanding the news is listening to what Trump says and reading between the lines and understanding he is telling you it's coming, but he can't just, he can't just come out and say, well, look, here's the audio tape. I have it on a thumb drive. And here's the video. I have it on a thumb drive. And here's all the evidence. And they just hand it out to the Washington Post and New York Times. Here's your evidence, and this is what's going to happen. He can't do that. That's not his job. He, in, he is signaling to us, his base, what's coming. And he is trolling the deep state and the mainstream media, be, hoping that they'll publish a story saying Trump, without evidence, accused so-and-so of such-and-such, accused Obama of spying on him again. How many times has the mainstream media ran headlines, Trump, without evidence, claimed such and such? And then you find out three or four months later, oh, well, he did have evidence, actually. A little bit of this, uh, <clears throat> this audio from Trump real quick. Not, there was no man in it, and there was no, it was just, it was over international orders, clearly over international orders, but we didn't have a man or woman in the drone, we had nobody in the drone. It would have made a big difference, let me tell you. It would have made a big, big difference. But uh, I have a feeling, I may be wrong, and I may be right, but I'm right a lot. I have a feeling that it was a mistake made by somebody that shouldn't have been doing what they did. All right. So Trump says about the drone strike last night, I have a feeling. I could be wrong, I could be right, but I'm right a lot. I have a feeling it could have been done by somebody who made a mistake, right? So what is Trump doing? Trump is trolling the mainstream media who are all there with him. He's trying to get them to write a headline saying Trump states without evidence that someone in the chain of command in Iran pushed a button and took down this drone without evidence accusing falsely, no, offers no proof, right? Trump is tr daring them to write a headline saying that he has no evidence and no proof, making these baseless accusations so he can once again co and come out with the evidence a couple of months later and go, oh, yeah, well, you know, Trump was right. Uh, it actually was a rogue actor. <laughs> Pushed a button. Booby traps. That is correct. Trump sets them up over and over and over. He gives a suggestion, a hint, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe I'm right. I'm right a lot, but I think it was this. So he just dares them to challenge him and try to prove him wrong. 
They take the bait, they write the headline, and then they have to write a retraction a month later. Uh, Trump just loves owning these idiots, and he sets them up over and over again. Now, it is really interesting to me. Trump is doing this in front of Trudeau. Trudeau is sitting next to him, and he is watching Trump give him a lesson on how to troll the media, how to control the narrative, how to set his enemies up for failure. Trudeau has to be sitting there watching all this going, what? <laughs> what is this guy doing? I think they made a mistake. And I'm not just talking to the country made a mistake. I think that somebody under the command of that country made a big mistake. Are you still and you're talking about leadership. Let's just see what happens. You just let's see what happens. It's all going to work out. All right. Very important point. This reporter had to get this question in. She tried to ask it twice, got cut off because Trump was still talking. And then she said, are you talking to Iran's leadership? The most important question of the day. Hey, Mr. President, are you by any chance talking to Iran's leadership? All right. What did Trump say? You know, we're just going to see how it all, what, what happens. It'll all work out. It'll all work out. He did not confirm, did not deny that he was talking to Iran's leadership. He totally deflected and said, let's see how it works out. You know, maybe we'll go to war for another 12 years and we'll spend another... Didn't Trump just complain in Orlando when he announced that he was running for re-election that we had spent $8 trillion in wars in the Middle East over the last 20 years and got nothing for it but hundreds of thousands of dead people? If that doesn't tell you that Trump is not interested in war, I don't know what does. I guarantee you Trump is not going to go to war in Iran. Guarantee it. He is letting these morons in the mainstream media write their own headlines, write their own articles, make their own assumptions, wrong assumptions, having to make assumptions, not having all the information, not knowing what he knows, not wanting to be... The problem with these people is they're not honest brokers. Trump will tell Hannity or Sarah Carter or someone else the truth and he'll give them information and he'll give them details. With these morons in the mainstream media, he is going to give them only enough information to let them hang themselves, to write a foolish article that they're going to have to retract in a month or two and be proven wrong. Trump is always setting up the mainstream media to prove them wrong. He, he gives them enough information that they have to write a story on it, not enough information that they can write a good story on it. And they wouldn't write a good story anyway, most of them. They want to write a story that paints Trump uh, in a bad light. So he goes out, gives them a little information. Go ahead, write your fake news story. And I'll be laughing at you in a couple of weeks when we have a peace agreement. Now, so is Trump talking to the leaders in Iran? Of course he is. If you look back at North Korea, we know Trump uses back-channel communications with rogue nations like North Korea and Iran. I guarantee you Trump and Pompeo have been burning the midnight oil, talking to a whatever faction in Iran that they believe they can get some traction with. So, Iran, now we have to look at Iran uh, geopolitically. Iran is, was a democratic free nation back in the 1940s and 50s and even 60s and 70s. Iran, the CIA did its first regime change in Iran in 1953. Those, the documents that talk about the CIA's regime change in Iran when they deposed the leader at that time in 53, those documents were recently declassified. You can go and look them up. But Iran was a fairly westernized um, free democracy in the 60s and 70s. And then... It, everything went downhill. Once the deep state continued pushing its influence and doing regime change and trying to set up leaders that were beholden to their agenda, 
Iran became more and more oppressive. And it has just continued until now. You have this regime in Iran that is horribly oppressive. And at the same time, you have Trump putting massive economic sanctions on Iran. Iran's economy has been destroyed, absolutely destroyed. Their, um, their, the rate of inflation in Iran is insane. They're in, they're, their economy is in a free fall. They're on the verge of economic collapse. They have no money to pay their troops. They have no money to, to fund terrorist organizations. Iran is horribly strapped financially. They're in a very, very bad situation. It is only going to be a matter of time before the regime in Iran falls. And it's not going to fall because it was replaced by the CIA who put in some puppet dictator that they could control. It is not going to happen. Trump and Pompeo are likely talking to a faction of leaders in Iran who will work with them to stabilize Iran, to rebuild their economy, to get rid of the nuclear weapons, to push out of power the violent jihadists who have been running the show there for a long time. That is the most likely scenario that Trump and Pompeo are working toward. A lot of back-channel communications, direct communications with a faction in Iran that will work with them to get rid of the, the corrupt element and disempower what the CIA has been doing in Iran. Now, Afghanistan is essentially the same situation. The CIA has been running the, the show in Afghanistan for a long time. Trump has been talking about drawing down troops and getting our troops out of Afghanistan. Why? If you can get rid of the rogue actors in the CIA that have been running the show in, in Afghanistan, and you can support a leadership group in Afghanistan that will work with you diplomatically and help you achieve uh, mutual objectives, you can remove your troops from Afghanistan. So Trump is working simultaneously with North Korea, with Afghanistan, with Iran, recruiting help from potential political leaders who will help establish a regime a political leadership structure that will allow for democratic elections and allow for rebuilding the economy, not based on uh, opium production <laughs> and weapons trafficking and human trafficking and all the other stuff that these countries do. So it is, there's, a lot of moving, there's a lot of moving parts to this e equation. But when that reporter asked Trump, are you talking to the Iranian you know, leadership? Trump's like, oh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. I guarantee you, Trump has been talking to them. Trump is working on a deal. He is working on a peace agreement. He's working on a deal with a political faction in Iran that is sympathetic to what he wants to accomplish, and they're going to work with Trump. And at some point in the future, you're going to see the announcement of a peace summit with a group of leaders in Iran. They're going to want to work with Trump. Similar to the peace summit that happened with Kim Jong-un and Trump in Singapore last year. That is coming. That's coming. So let me tell you just a little bit about the dream I had last night and the reason why I wanted to do this broadcast. So <laughs> Denise and I wake up this morning, we're having coffee. She's like, you have a dream? I'm like, of course I had a dream. All right. In the dream, and it wasn't like this massive, like super important dream other than it did confirm for me something I thought about last night and something that I saw this morning with Trump talking to the mainstream media. So in the dream, Trump was talking to people at large. In the dream, I could sense that what he was saying was very, very important for people to listen to and understand. The problem is what he was actually saying seemed very inconsequential. And it was hard to understand it. Like he was talking about abstract ideas and weird things that people really didn't, in the natural, in the, uh, in the physical world, in the natural world, if you were just listening to him say this on a, in, in a speech, talking to the media, you'd think he's having a stroke. Because it didn't make any sense. It was all random ideas. However, this dream was not a literal dream. It was a symbolic dream, right? So... 
The dream was telling me, as I thought about it this morning, that Trump doesn't come out and tell everybody up front in plain language what they need to know. You have to read between the lines. You have to infer meaning based on what you know about Trump and his past and his history and what he's done with other nations and what he's done in similar situations. You have to listen at what he says and go, what do you mean? What kind of answer is that? You're not being straight with us. You're not telling us straightforwardly in plain English what is happening. That is how Trump is. That is how Q is. Q doesn't come out because of national security laws. Q cannot come out and tell us directly what is going on behind the scenes. Q gives us hints, clues, questions, riddles, and you have to infer, read between the lines, what is going on. Trump is the same way a lot. In, a, in the way that he is signaling to his base, he does it in a way that you just have to infer meaning, you have to read between the lines. I know that's what he said, this is what he meant. So, and, and a lot of that can be done if you understand the audience he's talking to. Because he talks somewhat differently at a rally when he's talking to his base than when he's talking to the mainstream media who are his enemies. He talks differently to them than he talks to us. He talks to us more plainly. He talks to them more obliquely, more in abstract terms, and more in disinformation. He's trying to set them up for failure. He's trying to set us up for success. So when you listen to Trump talk to the media, just remember he's talking to his enemies. And his goal many times is to give them disinformation and set them up. So he's just, you know, you have to just realize that you can't always take what Trump says at face value. Uh, read his body language, look at his smiles, look at just take in his overall affect and the way he interacts with these people and realize a lot of times he is, um, he is signaling to us his plans, but he is setting them up for failure. And it, that is a very difficult thing to do. If, try it sometime. Try talking to an enemy and a friend at the same time, giving them the same message, and try to signal to your friend your correct intention and signal to your enemy, give them something that they can't use uh, against you. It's not easy to do. Trump does it really well. Can I play one last clip here real quick? I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe it was intentional, if you want to know the truth. I think that it could have been somebody who was uh, loose and stupid that did it. Will be able to report back, and you'll understand exactly what happened. But it was a very foolish move. That I All right. So talking again about the drone strike. Are you saying it was it, it was intentional? Was it was it an accident? What what are you saying, Mr. President? What what are you trying to tell us about this? Uh, so Trump says basically, yeah, you know what? Uh, I think some idiot got a hold a rogue actor. Again, he's talking about a rogue actor, someone who is not following. Look, th this is what I think is happening, and I have no way to prove this, and I have no inside sources. I suspect Trump is negotiating a peace agreement. He's negotiating peace, terms of peace with Iran. They're working back channel comes to broker a peace agreement, and some knucklehead in the chain of command was either told by the deep state or on his own initiative decided to launch a missile. And that now creates really bad optics for Trump. And he's upset about this because he's working on a peace plan. And this throws a little bit of a wrench in, in, in the plan if no, for no other reason than he has to go and talk to these idiots in the mainstream media and try to deflect all of their suspicion and their, their hatred. And of course, people in the, in the new media who want to accuse Trump of being a neocon and a warmonger, right? So this just creates all kinds of optical issues he doesn't want. And he's obviously a little bit frustrated over it. But he said, we're going to be able to report back on it very soon and you'll see what's gonna happen. So Trump is signaling to us, again, 
He knows what's going on. He is in control. He's talking with their leadership. They probably told Trump, yes, this is some rogue actor in the chain of command who popped off this missile. We're going to go out and uh, execute this guy or punish him or whatever they do to those people. I'm reasonably confident that whoever was in charge of firing that missile is not going to be firing another missile. I think Trump is, is seriously working toward a peace plan. I think that this was uh, an unfortunate move, maybe by the deep state, maybe John Kerry and Obama, right? Kerry has been talking to the Iranian leadership. So John Kerry, the shadow government, Obama, Kerry, all these people, they're still going around behind Trump's back to their buddies in former uh, leaders in Italy and other places trying to convince those people Trump is, about, is going to be taken out. And hang in there, and we're going to get our deep state plans back on track. Don't give up the ship yet. We're still working on it. right? Because the deep state is not going to go down without a fight. They still have assets, and they still have people and rogue agents in many different places. So it's possible that Kerry has been working with a faction in Iran that is sympathetic to what the deep state wants to do, and they may have convinced someone in the chain of command to launch this missile. Maybe. I don't know. I have, I have no, no factual evidence to back that up. It's, it's possible. Why would Kerry be over there talking to Iranian leaders? Obviously because they want to put into effect some kind of plan to thwart what Trump is doing, and Trump is trying to broker peace. What do they want? They want war. They want Iran to continue building nuclear weapons and eventually be able to start World War III so they can get rid of Russia, they can get rid of the United States, and they can get rid of all international borders and have their big, happy world global government. That's, that's the long-term plan of people like Kerry and Obama. They're trying to get this done before they go to prison, by the way. They are all going to prison. Uh, every single one of them is going to go to prison. And if you think they're going to be going to prison in a civilian setting, I would be willing to bet you a package of cookies. Most of them are going to military tribunals, and a lot of them are going to be facing the death penalty. Because as Trump has repeatedly said over and over and over and over again, this can never be allowed to happen again. How do you send a permanent, indelible message into the conscience of the country? How do you set up a warning to potential politicians in the future if you, that if you think about becoming a corrupt person, if you think about taking bribes, if you think about working with rogue elements in the deep state, if you think about betraying your oath to office, you just remember those people who were publicly executed last year when you think about taking a bribe or being corrupt. I, I honestly believe, I think we're going to see public executions. I think there is no other way to send a signal to corrupt people that you should never, ever try this again. I think the only way to do that is the military is going to see, oversee public executions of some people. There are going to be public trials and there will be public uh, executions. And as disgusting as it sounds, and as horrible as it sounds, and I am not about that kind of stuff. I'm a mercy person. I'm, I'm very much about mercy. I think when I hear Trump saying this can never be allowed to happen again, and I'm staying out of it, I'm letting our great Attorney General, William Barr, take care, take care of all this stuff. Trump has to remain out of the picture as far as the prosecution end goes. I think that... I don't know that the DOJ has the cojones to go ahead and actually uh, carry out the kind of justice that needs to be carried out in these cases. I absolutely know the military will do it. And even though most people think that the prosecution is being run by the civilian DOJ, I can... I can guarantee you the military is much more involved in this process than anyone wants to think about. They're not in the headlines. They're not talking about it publicly. 
But I guarantee you the military is preparing for what is going to come. The military knows they're going to have to take over a lot of the prosecution of this. Q has put out the placeholders. And the placeholders have a lot to do with military trials versus civilian trials. Supreme Court challenges regarding military trials of civilians. So Q has already been signaling, and I think Trump has been signaling also, that because this can never be allowed to happen again, because they have to put in place a strong signal into the consciousness of the world and our country that this can never happen again, the punishment is going to be severe. And people need a permanent record where they can look back at those executions and go, we do not want to have that to happen to us, so we're going to play it straight. Alrighty, I wanted to jump on here and give you all some context regarding this whole deal with you know, the drone being shot down and Trump's statements. I, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I definitely think we have some things to pray about. I would be praying for Trump, praying for Iran. Uh, the people of Iran are good people and they want to get rid of this oppressive, oppressive regime and put in place uh, a, a political system that will allow the people of Iran to live in freedom and prosperity and get out from under the, this oppressiveness. And I think that's going to happen. Uh, it's, it's going to take time, and we should be praying for Trump, praying for Iran, praying for peace. Uh, those are the things that we can do. All right. Uh, just to let you know, Denise is, is doing better. She had a rough couple of days. Uh, thank you for the prayers. She is doing much better today. She is uh, working on the book, the novel. We're hoping to get that done today or tomorrow and maybe have it published next week. Uh, so thank, thank you all, everyone, for praying for Denise. Uh, I really appreciate it. All right, that is the news for today. Love you all. Take care. I'll catch you on the next broadcast.